The following message by Dr. Matt Thornton is part of a series through the book of Habakkuk entitled, The Just Shall Live by Faith. If you would like more information on this message, you can view the description of this sermon audio available for free on all major podcast formats. For more information on what we believe, we encourage you to visit our website at northbryantbaptist.org. And now, here's Dr. Matt Thornton. When Mount Vesuvius erupted in 79 AD, hundreds of people took shelter in cellars and in vaults to no avail. There was no escaping that eruption. And so archaeologists have uncovered hundreds of skeletons in, uh, in vaults, all preserved and all sort of packed together, huddled together. But in the small town of Herculaneum, which is not as famous as the town of Pompeii, there was one man found not in the vault. He had not sought shelter. He wasn't with the rest of the people. Archaeologists discovered his remains all alone. Let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2 this morning. Habakkuk took his burdens to God. He emptied his heart at the Lord's feet. And mercifully, we know the Lord gave Habakkuk a glimpse into the divine plan. Uh, God would raise up the Chaldeans, and he would use them as a rod of judgment against his people, the Jews, for their own wickedness. But this insight actually created more questions for the prophet Habakkuk, because he felt that the Chaldeans were worse than the Jews, and he struggled to reconcile God's holiness and purity with the fact that he was using a wicked nation, and he wondered if Babylon would ever be judged for what they would do, or would they be able to continue to just ransack people forever. And so Habakkuk waited once again for God to answer. Mercifully, God did. And this morning, we'll begin to study that response. But we'll focus on just the first three verses of God's response this morning. Now, much of chapter 2 deals with the sins of Babylon. And God pronounces judgment upon them. And so Habakkuk will learn that Just because God would use the Babylonians for his purposes, that did not mean that God condoned their evil. It did not mean that they would receive a free pass for their own wickedness. They too would be held responsible. They would also be judged. But before all of the talk about sin and judgment, before all of that, God offered a prophetic encouragement to Habakkuk about living for the Lord. And this encouragement became one of the most famous and most important statements in the entire Old Testament. And that statement is, the just shall live by his faith. And this became such a powerful statement that it is quoted three separate times in the New Testament. And when we look at those three passages in the New Testament later we will get a better understanding of how vital faith and faithfulness is, how vital they are in living for the Lord. Let's read this morning Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, we read, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted 
uh, which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. In verse 2, once again, God's answer began with a command. In chapter 1, when God answered Habakkuk's first round of questioning, his first prayers, uh, God commanded Habakkuk and all who would listen to behold, to pay attention, to be amazed at what God would soon do. This time, Habakkuk is commanded to write the vision. Now, obviously, he did that, right? Or we wouldn't be studying it today. Habakkuk obviously followed that command. He did record this revelation, but he was told to record it clearly or plainly. You see this phrase in verse 2, make it plain upon tables. This phrase, make it plain, it may derive from a word that actually means to dig. And it kind of gives us a good picture about some types of ancient writing. You know, ancient writing was not as simple as it is for us today. They couldn't pick up a ballpoint pen and a piece of paper and just start scribbling away. It was, it was much more involved than that for them. And often, their writing consisted of chiseling into a clay or stone tablet or a wood plank. And the word we would use to describe it would be engraving. They would actually have to dig into the material to make the mark. And so the Lord tells Habakkuk that these engravings, these diggings, they need to be distinct and they need to be clear. This is a message that needs to be legible. It needs to be easy to read. It's not some code or riddle. It's clear. And the clarity and the precision would help the herald who would deliver the message. You see the phrase there at the end of verse 2, that he may run that readeth it. This word read here uh, is actually far more often a word that refers to a vocal message or an audible expression than what we would think of as, as reading to yourself or silent reading. Okay, a lot of times this word is translated to cry out, to call out, to proclaim. And so this might refer to the fact that a herald would take these tablets, a herald would take this message, and he would run from city to city proclaiming this message and reading aloud this clear revelation from God. And so the clarity of the message and the truth of the message would also be an encouragement to spread it so that other people could hear it, learn it, believe it, obey it. And I think that's a pretty awesome description of how we should spread God's message today, both individually and as a church. We are blessed to have the completed Word of God, and it is clear in its teaching. Now, that doesn't mean that, that there aren't difficult passages. That doesn't mean that we never have any questions. Habakkuk had questions. But the overall message is clear, and people need to hear it. Sin is wrong, sin is dangerous, and hell awaits for those who do not repent. But Jesus Christ died to pay for your sins, and he rose again to give you life. People need that, and we need to run with that message. It's the only life-giving message, the only life-changing truth in this world. If we want to be relevant as a church, then we need to run with the message of the gospel. The gospel is what makes us relevant now, tomorrow, and anytime in this world. So Habakkuk is commanded to record this revelation, partly for the herald who would be spreading it, but also partly because of the timing of the message. And that's what verse 3 is all about. 
this needed to be written down and preserved, we might say, because it was for an appointed time. God would raise up the Chaldeans soon, but it would be even later that He would actually judge them for their own evil. And at this time that God is revealing this to Habakkuk, both of those were still future events. And so this prophecy needed to be preserved, not only to prove God's faithfulness and God's truthfulness and God's sovereignty when these events came to pass, but also to encourage people who might have the same questions that Habakkuk had. Habakkuk was surely not the only person who was wrestling with this and struggling with this. And put yourself in that situation of Habakkuk and knowing that most of chapter 2 does deal with the judgment that's coming upon Babylon. It will occur, but you may have to wait for it. It might not happen when you think it should. But at the appointed time, it will happen. And so the question or the issue then becomes, how will you live in the waiting? How will you live while you are waiting on God's promises to come to pass? And that brings us into this very famous verse 4, where the Lord offered this this major contrast between two types of people. And the first part of the verse, or the first type of person that God describes is the proud. The first part of verse 4 says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. Obviously, this includes the Chaldeans in a, in a general sense. Um, it applies to the Babylonians for sure, but it's not limited to them. This becomes a proverbial and timeless truth about the dangers of pride. You see this phrase in, in verse 4, the, uh, the idea of his soul being lifted up. And the word lifted up is, is a neat word. It literally means to swell or to be puffed up. And we still use that type of language today to talk about someone who is, who is proud. We say he's, he's puffed up. We say he's, he's swelling with pride. His ego is inflated. We, we talk like that today. And so God says that this arrogant pride proves that your soul is not upright within you. Earthly pride is incompatible with God. And that's not brand new information here in Habakkuk. We see that taught throughout the Bible. In Proverbs 8, the Lord says, I hate pride and arrogance. In Isaiah chapter 2, we read, The haughty looks of a man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humble, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And then from our recent study of James, who quotes another proverb, James says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. An arrogant, entitled, haughty, puffed-up attitude is completely contrary to God. It is the proof of an inner problem. And yes, that immediately applies to the Chaldeans, to those Babylonians, but it is a general, proverbial, timeless truth. All who arrogantly reject God await His judgment. It will come. But we should be different. The next type of person at the last part of verse 4 is not a proud person, not a puffed up, arrogant person, 
but a righteous person or a just person. The last half of verse 4, Habakkuk writes, But the just shall live by his faith. This short statement is so deep and so rich, especially when in just a moment we pull from the New Testament passages that quote from it. But let's begin here in the immediate context of Habakkuk. What does he mean when he says the just shall live by faith? Well, first of all, there may be a hint here of God preserving a remnant, even though the Babylonians are going to come and and destroy uh, Judah, and even though later the Babylonians would ultimately be judged themselves. But the just will live by faith. Okay, the righteous would not be annihilated. God always preserves a remnant. And so the just would not be swept away with the wicked proud on the day of judgment. But there's more than that. There's more than this remnant idea for sure, especially when we think of Habakkuk's own struggles and his questions and his concerns that have led us to this point. And here's the main point in Habakkuk. Even when a righteous person or a just person has questions and concerns and burdens, even when he or she may not fully understand God's working or God's timing, that person will still live faithfully. The word faith here actually, the specific Hebrew word, refers more to faithfulness than what we would think of of faith. And of course, they're, they're related. But this word has the idea of steadfastness. It has the idea of firmness and trustworthiness. And it's really fascinating. This word's actually used more in the Psalms than in any other book in the Old Testament. And it's used more often to describe God than it is used in any other way in the Old Testament. So when you read this word faith or you think faithfulness here, This is an attribute of God. God is faithful. God is firm, steadfast, reliable, and trustworthy. And that's the idea of the word here. There's one place the word was used in Exodus chapter 17. And it gives us a pretty good illustration of what the word means. Do you remember when the Israelites were delivered from Egyptian slavery? Pretty early on, they they fought a battle against the Amalekites. And they're fighting, and Moses uh, is, is standing there. And as he, as he holds up his staff in the air, the Israelites would prevail. But when he got tired, and he dropped his arms, and he, his hands became weary, the Amalekites would prevail. And so in Exodus 17 and verse 12, Moses recorded this. The ESV says, But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. That word steady is the same word translated as faith in Habakkuk. Aaron and Hur helped Moses' hands remain faithful to remain steady, steadfast, reliable. And that's a great illustration of how a righteous person should live. Even when weary, 
Even when struggling to understand God's plan or wondering about God's timing, a righteous person shouldn't waver, shouldn't quit, shouldn't abandon God. A righteous person should remain faithful in serving God. We've seen in Habakkuk already that it's okay to have questions and struggles and burdens. Take them to God, just like he did. Now we see that we're given this encouragement to remain faithful in serving God, even if we have these questions and these struggles and these burdens. The just shall live in faithfulness. Well, the question then has to be, what does it mean to be just? How, and how do I do that? Well, this word just here, some translated as righteous, and both are great translations, just or righteous. And one lexicon defines this uh, basically that it con it's a conforming to an ethical or moral standard. And he says this, righteousness is exhibited only through conformity to standards set out in the word of God. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? Righteousness is conforming to God's standard. But what's the problem? The problem is I can't do that. I'm a sinner. And Habakkuk knows, we saw last week, that God is holy and pure and everlasting and mighty. And I'm a sinner. I fall short every time. But the awareness that I'm not righteous on my own actually leads us into the first place this verse is quoted in the New Testament. And that's in the book of Romans. Paul used this statement in the book of Romans in a much different way and in a much different context than it was originally given in. And it's pretty fascinating. Think about Habakkuk's context. The main message here is that of faithful living by the righteous, even when you may have questions or struggle to understand. But the Holy Spirit led Paul to take this same verse and use it to show that faith has always been God's way of saving people. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. The ESV says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. Early in Romans... Paul is establishing that all men are sinners and that righteousness before God has nothing to do with human work, human merit, keeping the law. You can't earn it. It's, it's nothing like that. It's a matter of faith, and it has always been that way. We cannot conform to God's standard through any effort of our own, through any work of our own, but through faith in Jesus Christ, then we are made righteous before him because of what Christ did for us. And so back to Habakkuk, who are these righteous people that Habakkuk's talking about? It's people who have placed their faith in God. Righteousness comes by faith. It always has. Faith has always been God's salvation plan, and that plan culminated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
When a sinner repents and believes in Jesus, no matter who they are, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave or free, rich or poor, that person is righteous before God, not because of their own merit or their own work, but because of faith in Jesus Christ. Paul used Habakkuk to prove that. The second time that this short phrase or this short verse is used in the New Testament is found in Galatians. And it's similar to Romans in that Paul uses it once again in Galatians to demonstrate that salvation is by faith and not works. But the overall context in Galatians is a little bit different than Romans. When Paul brings it up in Galatians, which we'll read in just a moment, he wants us to realize that since your new life began with faith, that you also live and mature and continue to grow in faith. You weren't saved by faith and then finish things off with some works. You're not, you're not saved by faith and then you start maturing because you keep the law. Faith is still crucial for growth and service even after salvation. In Galatians chapter 3, we'll read uh, a handful of verses here uh, because it's a big context. Galatians chapter 3 and the first 14 verses, Paul writes, O oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Listen. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. See, God didn't tell Habakkuk to write, The just shall live by the law, or that the just shall live by works. And Paul brings that up in Galatians to say that if our new life began with faith, then we also continue living for the Lord by faith. Serving God and maturing and growing is not about a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's not about ritualistically keeping the Old Testament law. You can do that without faith. We've got a couple of words for it. One's legalism. Another one's hypocrisy. Serving God and maturing is about that freedom that faith in Christ brings. 
that should motivate you to serve faithfully out of love, not by keeping some checklist and marking things off every day. And so Paul used Habakkuk in Romans to defend salvation by faith. He used it similarly in Galatians, but also to teach that we continue and we mature and we, we keep on living in faith. And there's one final time this small phrase from Habakkuk was used in the New Testament, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 10. And the context of Hebrews uh, is fascinating because it much more closely parallels the context of Habakkuk. The original audience of the Hebrews... Uh, they had questions, and they had troubles, and they had concerns. They struggled with continuing on and living for Christ amidst those sufferings. They struggled with the timing of God's plan as they, they awaited Christ's return. And doesn't that sound a lot like Habakkuk? Here, here are people who are struggling with the world they're living in. They're struggling with God's plan. They're struggling with God's timing. But notice what the author of Hebrews told them about this. And notice when he used this verse from Habakkuk. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through 39. Reading from the ESV once again, Hebrews says, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now notice this quote. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Much closer to the original context, right? The readers of Hebrews needed to be reminded that God will fulfill His promises. Christ will return. And their service will be rewarded. It just might not be exactly when you think it might happen. And so in the waiting, during this time of struggle and not understanding everything, you still live faithfully. You endure. Don't throw away your confidence because, the author of Hebrews says in verse 37, He will come. It's really fascinating here that this part in verse 37 is actually also quoted from Habakkuk. It's pulled from Habakkuk 2 in verse 3, but it's a little different. Habakkuk 2 in verse 3 taught that the prophecy given to the prophet, or the vision uh, given to Habakkuk, would be fulfilled at the appointed time. That this message needed to be written down because even though you might think it's taking a long time for it to happen, it will happen. And in the immediate context, that referred to the judgment against the Babylonians. But now very similar to how the Holy Spirit led Paul to sort of adjust the context in Romans. 
He does the same thing here in Hebrews. The Holy Spirit led the author of Hebrews to use the principle of Habakkuk 2.3 and apply it to the return of Christ. That's why when you see there in Hebrews in verse 37, it says, The coming one will come and will not delay. It might not be when you think it should be, but Christ will come at the appointed time. So this short phrase from what we label as a minor prophet was used in three separate contexts in the New Testament. And when we put it all together, we have this wonderful and amazing and comprehensive view of faith. First of all, when we consider Romans, faith has always been God's plan of salvation. Always. And if you are not saved, you can stop trying to be good enough. You can stop trying to work for it. Just stop trying, period. Stop trying. Salvation comes by faith. It always has. Repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. Trust Him and Jesus will make you righteous before God. The just shall live by His faith. Secondly, from Galatians, if you are saved, living for God is still all about faith. You're not saved by faith and then throw faith away. We don't live our lives for God bound to rules and regulations trying to complete this, this checklist like the Pharisees did. Instead, allow God to grow your faith and produce works out of love so that you serve Him and enjoy this freedom that you've been given in Christ. And then finally, from Hebrews, after we're saved by faith and while we're hopefully growing in faith, we may suffer in this world. We may not understand it. We may have questions. We may not grasp how, how things are happening or why things are happening. We may not understand how God is going to use all of this for His purposes. Or maybe we know that He will, but we just struggle with the timing. Why doesn't Jesus just come back already? Why doesn't He just return and end this? He will. He will at the appointed time. In the meantime, in the waiting how are you going to live? Will you arrogantly turn from God? Will you let your pride puff you up? Will you shrink back and let doubts overwhelm you? Or will you faithfully, reliably, steadfastly live for God while you await Him to fulfill every single promise at just the right time? You remember that one lonely skeleton that I mentioned from the eruption of Mount Vesuvius? This one victim of that eruption was not found huddled in the vaults with everyone else. He was all alone. And the reason for this is that he was doing his job. As the archaeologists uncovered this, uh, his remains found that he was a soldier. His leather straps were there around him. His, his sword was, was at his side. And most scholars believe that as the mount erupted, as the earth shook under his feet, as um, burning hot rock and ash began to fall from the sky, instead of running for cover 
this soldier held his post faithfully. Some even believe perhaps he was trying to direct others for their own safety. That's quite a picture of faithfulness. Listen, as we serve the Lord and we live for Him, there will never come a time when we can stop living faithfully. There's never a time when we can abandon our post. It's okay to have questions and concerns and burdens. It's okay if we don't understand everything. It's okay if we have questions about the timing of everything. But be like Habakkuk and take those concerns to God instead of wavering. Take them to God and don't give up your faithfulness. During those times, show your steadfast faithfulness to God. And remember what Habakkuk's name means. It has the idea of embrace. Embrace the promises of God as we await Him to fulfill everything He's promised us in His Word. And we look around like Habakkuk with our own questions and concerns and burdens. We live in a world that's very troubling right now especially. And we know that God's in control, but maybe we just... We aren't sure how it's all going to work. Listen, know that at the exact right time, Christ will return. He will set up his kingdom. The wicked will be judged. The righteous will be rewarded. But in the meantime, you live by faith. And you have so many great examples of faithful living that you can look to. In fact, do you remember what comes next in the book of Hebrews? after the passage that we just read a moment ago. This great quote from Habakkuk about living by faith ends chapter 10. What's chapter 11 all about? It's that very famous chapter in Hebrews that sometimes we label the hall of faith. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, we read that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We read that by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, on and on and on. Quoting from Habakkuk, set up Hebrews 11 as we see all of these countless witnesses who lived faithfully while waiting on God's promises to be fulfilled. All of those men and women did some amazing things. And they did it all by faith. While waiting on God to keep His word. The just shall live by His faith. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, once again, we thank You for Your word. We're humbled at how rich and how deep it is. Lord, help us to have our faith in you. Help us to grow in our faith and help us to remain faithful even when the troubles of this world swirl around us. God, I thank you so much for this church. I pray that you will give us wisdom and watch over us and protect us and keep us safe during this time. We pray that everything we do brings you honor and glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I pray that you'll have a, a, a happy Mother's Day uh, and a safe week. Thank you.